Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world-changing disciple makers. I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you are listening to the CDM Podcast. Now, today's podcast is one of a four-part series on recovering from COVID culture. So like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. Download this, the CDM app, okay? Come and join the growing platform where you can access our praying community of disciple makers, learn from our podcasts, blogs, and videos in ways that'll help you learn how to make disciples in your life and ministry. While you're on there, you can support this podcast by following the link from our episodes to Patreon. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you as they transform their communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you for those who give at least $5 a month, you will have access to our premium content and our library of past episodes that dive even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making. Now, today, we're going to be talking specifically about isolation and recovering from COVID culture. Now, COVID culture, you may not have heard that term before, but um, I don't know about you, but I have friends who are affected by long-haul COVID. You've probably heard about that. And that's where they don't have just the normal COVID, but they sit there and they have lingering effects that sometimes go months and months and months and are much worse than the actual COVID itself. I mean, both Rebecca and I have had COVID, so we understand what how COVID feels. And it's from our friends that we've been able to see what long-haul COVID is. Now, what we're seeing, though, develop that's affecting everyone, whether they've had COVID or not, is this COVID culture. And that's what Rebecca and I are calling it anyway. And uh, like we said before, this is the first in a four-part series on COVID culture, how it affects us, and how we can overcome it in order to make disciples who make disciples and see movement happen. You know, guys, yeah, having coached disciple makers around the world through the 2020 lockdowns and you know, what has happened since then, we've noticed both its initial and also long-term effects it has on culture has like in general with the world and also specifically on our disciple makers. And, and really through the series, we want to be able to deal with the different effects, at least some of the different effects that we see and how we can be able to recover from them. Right, exactly. And so one of the things that that it's it's the illustration that really helps me get my my head around everything is this idea of mixed martial arts. You know, I've watched mixed martial arts uh, matches both live and on TV. I love the UFC. Uh, don't hold that against me. I love the UFC and I love watching a good uh, mixed martial arts match. And one of the things that you see happen a lot is that two fighters will get in there and then all of a sudden one fighter will get a blow in and it'll rock the other fighter. And then it just seems to be that they get knocked back on their heels. They start, they start giving up ground and eventually they're pinned against the cage and the other person is just pummeling them and holding them back and everything else. And, uh, and they're just kind of trying to hold on to survive until the bell rings signaling the end of the round. And I feel like we've gotten there with some of these, with some of these issues that it's like, 
pow, this hit us. And then pow, 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 pow. And then all of a sudden we've been against the fences, just wondering if we're going to make it through the round. And now the, the bell is rung. We're sitting on our bench and we're trying to do now the mental game of how am I going to do the next four rounds? How am I going to come back from losing a round and be able to, to, to pull out a win, pull out a victory uh, before this fight is over? And I think that that's one of the things that we're in. And even we can see this in, you know, anybody that has gone through something significant like that, you know, hearing you, Paul, talk about being in survival mode. I think that we have been in survival mode, that we're basically, you know, just trying to to manage getting through all the things that are exploding around us. And that, and that's what we've been, that's where we've come from, from this COVID. But what, and the thing is, is that now it's lingering because Mm -hmm. as as often as we're really finding out more and more when it comes to, uh, you know, our bodies and how our minds and everything works is that trauma or something bad, it can trigger us to continue in that same, you know, survival mode as when it first happened to us. And so I I think in many ways that as we talk about these different issues, we're going to be realizing we don't have, not only do we not have to be in this place in the first place, but also we don't have to continue in the survival mode anymore. And what can we do to get out of it? You know, the first thing that we're supposed to be talking about is isolation. And Mm -hmm. I think that is the most um, important to the overall narrative of what has happened in, in COVID, you know, we, we saw, because I think it's a thing that really overall that people mourn the most is just that how fragmented that we have had from this whole threat from the past few years. And I do have to say, I mean, some of it's because of COVID and some of it's because of other political and economic and other things that have happened. There's just a lot of things that are dividing people. And this really harms, A, our ability as the body of Christ in many ways to operate as the body of Christ, and B, to actually be able to help people, because uh, especially since movement it is all about trying to reach groups and trying to reach whole communities, it's hard to do that when everything's so fragmented. So we have to look at, you know, how is this isolation? How do we deal with it? in these particular times. Yeah. And like you were saying that isolation, you know, was something that was really a part of our culture for a while, but COVID really brought it out. I mean, we, we had lockdowns worldwide. We had lockdowns and now people were, were locked inside of, of homes, sometimes by themselves. Uh, like, like I often was sometimes, um, with family, but even with family, they're going to their various spaces and engaging with their electronic devices, not really talking with one another. And then we had masks. And I'm not trying to make a political statement here or not, but one of the realities of mass is they even make us feel more isolated when we're in a crowd. There were many times I went to a mall in Oregon 
everyone's wearing a mask and you couldn't see faces and you couldn't smile and it was hard to hear. And so a lot of people got quieter and they didn't talk to each other except for the person that they were with. And there weren't as many greetings. And so we felt isolated, you know, and, and there's, there's even the, the geopolitical issues. Like I'm in the United States and I have family in Canada and I can't see my family in Canada um, because the border was shut down for so long. And so there's just a lot of little things that communicate to that, but isolation is something that does not help us in disciple making. One of the first things Rebecca and I teach when it comes down to spiritual warfare is that one of the tactics of Satan likes that Satan likes to do to make us vulnerable. And if you haven't listened to the podcast on being vulnerable to the enemy, you should. Rebecca just recorded that and it's great. But one of the things that Satan likes to do to make us more vulnerable is to isolate us. Now, often he'll use interpersonal conflict to cause feelings of isolation. But in this case, we're seeing that it's that geopolitical, uh, you know, reality of COVID and everything else that has led us to being more and more isolated, which makes us vulnerable to creating bad habits, vulnerable to sin, vulnerable to just giving up because we are by ourselves. And it's exhausting even for my introverted friends, to be by their cells for too long. And the thing is, is that, you know, this thing, there, there are things that sometimes happen to us that we cannot, we, we can't do anything about it, but we don't have to stay there. And some of our lingering habits of being isolated, we could still be operating in them without even realizing. And so we're going to have to counteract that. So guys, we're going to have to really lean in to making sure we reconnect and and be those people that actually connect people again. So in other words, we're intentionally instigating that. You know, when Paul and I, when we got into the 2020 lockdowns and stuff, a lot of people reacted, you know, oh no, what do we do? We can't do the things that we normally do in order to connect with people, both with believers and non-believers. So I guess we just chill in our houses until we can. And for and that was like a big, you know, overall kind of reaction that we have seen both in the unsafe world and the safe world. But something that we did with our community was like, no, we don't have to take this. What can we do to still connect with people, to still have build relationships, even in the midst of that? And and if you back in 2020, we would use Zoom. We would use uh, our, you know, phones and electronic devices and things like that. And and we would use other kinds of creative, though at, at outside of the pandemic, it would seem odd social, uh, di- socially distant activities to just try to to engage people and stuff like that. And and the thing is, it worked. It worked because God worked through our efforts of creativity to still connect with people. And in the year of 2020, we saw more multiplication of, of discovery groups amongst lost people, new lost people that we have not met, and then also uh, formations of, di- of disciple-making communities than we had in any previous years by four or five times. Why am I telling you this? Is because we can still take that creativity moving forward 
even now that lockdowns are are lifting, have lifted, are lifting all around us, and now being able to help create that community again. I'm not saying that we return everything 100% the way it was, but that we are intentional now with our relationships. And in fact, maybe even all of so much more now, because we're realizing and maybe in some of our thoughts, like how even though we could technically be around each other, we really weren't connected in many ways. And so how can we start really have be intent continue being in connection with people again? Yeah. So that to combat isolation, we've got to lean into community. One of the communities we need to lean into is the broader community of believers. And which means you need to return to going back and engaging on a weekly basis with people who don't know Jesus. I know we have people all across the board who listen to this podcast from house church people to different forms of legacy church and denomination. And I'm just telling you guys, watching that service on YouTube or on Facebook or whatever, while it was fine for when we were in a crisis, it isn't connecting you with people. You need to be around people to connect with people. And so what we want to encourage you to do is connect with that broader spiritual community of believers on a regular basis. I go to a physical legacy church. Rebecca is in the process of finding a legacy church that she goes to. Why? Because Since I've recently moved. Because she, just, rec- she just recently moved. If you don't <laughs> know, if you why. haven't picked on that, she, <laughs> she just recently moved. So she's looking for a church. Um, but why do we do that? Because it's important to be around other people who fall in love with Jesus. And we're talking in this case, the broader community of believers. Well, and, and the thing is, is that all, all so much the more, uh, see, so again, we return not necessarily to everything that we did before, but we return to the idea of how can we now do it with even more intention. So in fact, something we've been talking to our community more and more is we need to be more life on life with other believers and stop relying on just mere meetings uh, that have a certain activity list, uh, you know, that's going to be a Bible study to be able to be everything that we need to build relationships with one another and to be supported by one another. Uh, so if, if you listen to our podcast on DMC, in other words, disciple making community is more than a meeting. It, you know, the whole concept is this are, you know, uh, a community is not just P is not the same as the two hour meeting that you have once a week. It is what we do in and throughout the week. We're we're engaged. We're hanging out in each other's houses. We're praying with each other. We're living life together. We're engaging the loss together. We're doing good for our communities together. We're actively living as a broader family together, and not just these individual. I've recently talked to several people that say that I've been saying like, well, I don't know what happened to that person. They just stopped coming to our meeting, and you know, I don't know. It's like, well, okay, they stopped coming to the meeting. Did you really get together with them a lot? Did you invite them over for dinner? Did you try to show up at their house and see what's, hey, how can we help you? What's going on? So in other words, we have relied so much on meetings as our weight means of, of getting to know people. We have to start living life a life. But you know, guys, this also affects how we are also engaging people who don't know Jesus as well. Because we are now be, being able, because again, as disciple makers, 
we're out there trying to seek groups. We're trying to seek silos. We're trying to seek communities of people that we can be able to, to lead to Jesus. But unfortunately, a lot of our silos and, you know, um, communities have been fragmented. I've been, we've been, uh, Paul and I have been coaching a lot of people that, that we hear, we've heard this so much over the past couple of years. Yeah, they, uh, you know, I started talking to this one person. They seem to be interested in spiritual things, but they seem to be very disconnected from all their usual friends. They've even said that. And so, you know, we find that not because our society is individualistic, but because we've become isolated, this can become an issue. So one of the things that we have, have discussed about doing is how now the question isn't just how can we find people that are a part of a community? It's how can we help these people reconnect with their community again? How can we help communities reconnect again? And, and through our efforts to do that, you know, through saying, hey, why don't we all hang out together? Let's try to get some, you know, we are probably going to have to be the answer and the people coming back into these communities going, let's get back together in order to be able to reconnect again. Absolutely. And so kind of looking at and summarizing what we just said is that one, in order to overcome isolation, you need to lean in commun- into community. You need to have community with the broader body of Christ. Then second, you need to have community with disciple makers who are in your corner, who understand what you're doing, why you're engaging and everything else. And you can connect with with both through, you know, attending meetings, um, like in terms of church services, but also like having prayer calendars, having disciple making communities and all of that. And then third, you need to help our our lost friends rebuild and engage in community again, because they're feeling just as isolated, to be honest. In fact, maybe even more so. And so by leaning out and inviting them over for dinner and by engaging them as a family and going out and doing events with them together, you're helping them overcome that isolation, which then helps them get a picture of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like, a family, not just in name, but in action and in reality. And, you know, guys, uh, uh, another big part of this, and of course, we believe this in CDM, especially when it comes to developing community and relationships with believers, both broadly and also within our particular teams, is is prayer. Oh, yeah. Prayer done rightly is something that is supposed to develop our relationships with one another and our communities. That's absolutely right. And we, we need to be mobilizing prayer for a couple of things. One, uh, we need to mobilize our prayer for ourselves in the process of fighting through spiritual warfare and all the obstacles yeah, and over. Don't be afraid to, to, to ask for prayer. You know, yeah. don't think you're insignificant. <laughs> well, don't think you're insignificant. And don't think you're arrogant either. We've had a lot of people who sit there and say, well, I don't need people to pray for me. And I'm going, wait a second. The apostle Paul asked for prayer all the time. Jesus asked the disciples to be in prayer while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, there were so many times that prayer is a part of what we do. And I actually believe it's a false humility that says, I don't need people praying for me. So don't be afraid. 
ask we're people more just to pray afraid of what people think of us. <laughs> yeah. Ask people to, to pray for you. Ask people to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to about to go visit my neighbor. Would you pray for me in the process? Or I'm having a little bit of a bad day and struggling with isolation. Would you pray for me in the process? There's nothing wrong with prayer. And, and guys, you know, here at CDM, we, re- this is why we, we really lean into prayer practices like the prayer calendar and uh, praying online. We have our prayer page, by the way, and our app that we have a CDN, this, the Contagious Disciple Making app. We have a prayer page for you to be able to be connected with. And so, and then also, of course, as we meet together, you know, praying together, even if we're just getting together for dinner or something, praying with together in those particular settings, again, utilize surrounding ourselves in that, but it allows us to truly connect there because of our, our saying, Hey, we can't, we don't have to let physical limitations keep us from connecting and connecting through prayer. The prayer calendar has been something that has allowed people throughout the pandemic to be able to re to stay connected. In fact, Paul wasn't there. Uh, a, a friend of ours and and uh, Noah Jesse that really saw it in his church. Oh, absolutely! Through Noah Jesse, um, he started coming into our coaching. Really embraced the prayer calendar and ended up multiplying it throughout his church. He he kind of lost count of how many people were doing it between like twelve and fifteen people. And when you do the math on that, twelve to fifteen people who are each calling thirty people within the church. Everybody in his church would be getting at least one phone call from someone else in the course of the month saying, how are you doing? Is there anything you need? How can I pray for you? And there was a time uh, not too long after restrictions started to lift that Noah was attending his church. And one of the older elderly statesmen of the church kind of came up to Noah and says, Noah, I'm seeing people here that I haven't seen in a long time, even before the pandemic. And they're staying around after the service and they're talking to each other. And, and I'm just sensing this stronger community than we had. I wonder what's happened. And Noah looked at me with a knowing smile on our call. And he says, Paul, I think it's because of the prayer calendar, because people are actually connecting with one another outside of our church services and leaning in and into community and making a difference. And so tools like the prayer calendar are huge for that. Mobilizing prayer through our Facebook page is huge for that. And personal phone calls and and everything to your core prayer team, those are huge for mobilizing prayer. But I want to give a caution. I think sometimes in mobilizing prayer, we, we stop at the moment of breakthrough but we don't pursue mobilizing prayer to the point of victory. And so I would actually even argue, we don't even get to the place of breakthrough. We get to a place of slight relief, slight relief, not breakthrough. Yeah. Slight threat to where we are just surviving barely and, and, and not even true breakthrough. That's, that's true. And that reminds me of a story from second Kings 13, 14 through 24. So Elisha is, is dying. And the king of the, at the time comes to Elisha and says, hey, am I going to be able to overcome Syria? And Elisha's like, all right, you know, aim, a, aim an arrow outside the window and let it go. And it, he, he let it go and it went super far. And he's like, yes, you'll be able to fight back against Syria and be able to win. And he says, now take this bundle of arrows and beat them against the ground. And the king picked him up and kind of beat him against the ground three times. Eh, eh. And then, uh, and then stopped and looked at the prophet and Elisha got mad. And he says, because you've only beat them three times, you're going to have three wins, three victories. That's it. 
Had you beat it five or even six times, you would have had complete victory in this area. Why did you stop it at three? And we really don't get an answer from the story itself. Uh, we just know the long-term consequences. And I feel like that's what we do with prayer is we kind of were just in this tired space and, and we do the minimum amount of effort in order to, like Rebecca said, maybe get some relief, sometimes some breakthrough, but not enough effort to actually overcome and get victory. And so when we think about mobilizing prayer, we don't want to stop it just enough. We want to go for victory. That's what we need. Complete total victory in our lives and as we make disciples, if we want to see movement, if we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done as it is in heaven. So you have been listening to the CDM podcast, like, share, five-star rate and review this podcast. We're going to be back after the break with our premium content where we'll continue our series on overcoming COVID culture. Um, we're going to be talking specifically about moving from rea a reactive to a proactive posture in doing what it takes to overcome this culture. Now, you can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash faithworks. Or if you're on our app, just click on the link in the description and it'll take you right over there and you'll be able to jump right in. Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. To hear part two, become a supporter on our Patreon page. If you're listening in the CDM app, you can click below or you can find the link in the description. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com or download the Contagious Disciple Making app.